Pickaxe. Thanks for dropping into the cast party. Join the cast and crew as they are shifted from their Hollywood film set into the crazy world of Vendrea. And action! The following episode of Cast Party includes subject matter that may be uncomfortable for some viewers. A list of the topics and themes featuring in this episode has been placed in the description below. A trigger-friendly recap of the events that occurred will be at the very end of this episode. A familiar screech from rusty brakes fills the cabin of a dirty Volkswagen. Fast food bags, leftover cups, and energy drink cans litter the floor of the passenger seat. A smack to the top of the dashboard. A check engine light shuts off in time with the hit to the old car. The hand that made the assault effortlessly finds its way to the gear shift as the light turns green. Dark brown eyes hidden under a tuft of black hair take a glance in the rearview mirror and land upon a bright white Tesla. The same eyes roll as the car makes the turn into the studio. Past the gate, past the open spaces for the VIPs and down further away from the entrance. Many see the line of cars as nothing more than that. The man sees it as watching time go backward, starting with the newest of the new, then older, then older, until you get to his parking spot. Garrett Lockland. He stares a moment at the sign, blinks twice as he comes back to reality and exits the car. His face is the first thing anyone would notice. A mere 34 years old, but wrinkles seem to get deeper every day. Large, sunken in eyes that exude exhaustion. Standing 5 foot 10 inches, you wouldn't exactly call him tall. He has an average build, though looks like he used to be quite buff. Perhaps the years of working long days have hidden the muscle he has underneath. No matter. He can still do his job. It's much more physical than the others that show up every day. He prefers as many practical effects as he can fit in, though he's being faced with more and more resistance. Garrett takes a deep breath, knowing this is potentially his last day of using any practical effects whatsoever. No telling if the next movie will give him any control. He imagines what he would do if he could scold all those who have fought against him and his ways how he would rip into them with words of how they are overpaid and lazy, how they aren't there for the art of it all. He is who makes art. His anger boils a moment before being interrupted by a piercing yip. <laughs> Ahead of him in the security line, a small Pomeranian that comes to set every day. He breaks back to reality and looks up with a smile. Hey G, Big G responds. Garrett, how are you? Ready for the last day? It's just another day, G as he enters the studio. Our 200 patron goal has been officially announced. With just 30 patrons left to go over at patreon.com slash castparty, once the cast and crew is 200 strong, we will all be heading out to Boston to visit Salem, Massachusetts, home of the Salem Witch Trials. With all of us in attendance and the possibility of Anna flying out to join us, we will be meeting with a psychic medium in order to cleanse Vince's hands, all recorded and filmed along with a fully edited vlog of our trip. 
Vince is notorious as the poor roller of cast party. It is basically our community meme at this point. The entire cast will be receiving individual personal readings from our medium, ending with a cleansing of Vince's hands and aura to hopefully rid him of the negative energy looming over him. Now, we know this all sounds like fun and games, but we are taking this process very seriously and are working closely with our medium to be as respectful as possible regarding this event. Now, is that not enough? You'll also get ad-free episodes, exclusive behind-the-scenes content, and hilarious monthly one-shots, along with an invite to our community Discord to chat and hang with all of us. Patreon.com slash castparty. We hope to see you there. Thank you all so much for listening. Enjoy the episode, cast and crew. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Cast Party. My name is Colin McManuson. I will be your director for today. I am joined by my off-course cast and crew, Ryan McManus. Hi, Sebastian Vivaldi Greensleeves, an emo at heart musician who accidentally auditioned as Juliet for his high school rendition of Romeo and Juliet. Upon announcing the play, each student was handed out a sheet with each character and a checklist to show which character each student would like to audition for. And as a meme, Sebastian checked yes, Juliet. He then got in trouble for not showing up to his audition as he didn't even plan on being in the play to begin with and wasted a time slot. What a coward. Oh my <sighs> <God>. <laughs> Anna Brisbane. Blueberry Sky Elven Druid actress who is enjoying being fast for the first time in her life, mainly in uh, Wild Shapes. Back in LA, as a teenager, she tried to enter a couple different races and was disqualified each time for going too slow. Really, after a few minutes of attempting to run, she would just get tired and or bored and just start walking and looking at her phone. I feel that. The true way. <laughs> I think we can all relate to that. <laughs> deep on that one. Nigel Deacon. Who's impostering Xander Gucci Supreme, who early on in filming was running low on cash and decided to try selling an interview with Jet to a handful of tabloids without involving Jet at all. Xander snuck some particularly sexy candids of Jet while he was doing meetings, eating, driving in, heading to the bathroom, etc. He then badly faked Jet's voice during a phone interview about what his perfect date would be, where he likes to meet people, and fully made up dating lore about him without implying who or what Jet is actually interested in dating. The tabloid ran the article the next week, titling it Jet the Smolder Chambers. Immediately, Jet got a way more attention out of nowhere without realizing why, and got offered roles for a whole slew of romance movies, most of which went to the made-up email that Xander made for the interview. And Xander accepted all of them. Oh my god! <laughs> Yo, Jet, fire your agent and hire oh. Xander. God damn. Oh. <laughs> That's some marketing. Oh my. <laughs> I, d I don't even know how to respond to that one. <laughs> Jet doesn't either. He doesn't know what happened. <laughs> and Vince Perino. Jet the Boulder Chambers, the guy who, I guess he does romance movies now. He learned how to ride a horse for this one specific movie called Seabiscuit 2, The Love That Never Was. <laughs> it was a movie where, I, I don't know, like, does Seabiscuit die? Like, Seabiscuit comes to life as a zombie and sees a, a lady horse. Jet has to learn how to ride a horse, but then the movie got canceled after uh, they found out that their real agent didn't give him the part. So he now knows how to ride a horse from that movie, and that's how he can ride pebbles very well. Let's talk about what happened last time. Desmond took you back to his home in the Upper North before you told him the fish were being used to smuggle crypt into Helios. 
Deciding to go to Veroso, you left Desmond to wait for what he believed would be Carvu coming to wipe his mind. You got to the Cosmic Isle and spoke with Veroso, who told you that Carvu had left in a hurry. There was a meeting where Veroso was targeting the other Starweavers trying to determine how none of them knew of Carvu's plans. Using Jet's Zone of Truth, you confirmed none of the other Starweavers knew about the drugs coming into Helios, though some of them attempted to resist Jet. Veroso sent you with lethal orders for Carvu. You headed to her villa on the Cosmic Isle, were met with peace and nature and Carvu, opening the doors of her villa. You quickly determined this was just an illusion. She told you she was bringing the crypt up to Helios to keep the people unable to create a revolution, to help keep Helios safe since Veroso couldn't. You pleaded with her to figure out why she was doing this before she brought you into another room, filled with only the table from the Trial of Honesty. You all sat down, Jet put his sword in the slot, and a misty blue powder emitted itself from the ground. Inhaling it, you all felt like your brains could no longer control your bodies. Carvu appeared on the table and started speaking aloud, saying that she never got a real answer from Jet. One of your friends dies, so the others can live. Internal turmoil took over, but in the end, he chose Xander. With that, Carvu spoke into your mind, Jet, telling you about how much she just loved control, that she was planning to control the people of Backbreak using a reformulated and stronger crypt. But she really loved control when she was able to take it away from others, like now, where she was able to control the narrative. Her floating daggers all formed together to stab Sebastian's abdomen as she screamed in all of your minds. Combat ensued as Blueberry turned into a giant snake, Jet turned into a sheep, Xander turned into a reflection of Blightmore with these giant purple wings, and Sebastian turned into a Chris Angel fan using Ralithin's psychic glance with fire instead of psychic. The combat was quick, Carvu assaulting your minds with confusion and static, while Jet gave you all hope under a tree-like beacon. As she was whittled down by your attacks, Jet grabbed her head and told her, look who's in control now. As she responded, it will consume you. Afterwards, Sebastian comforted Jet outside while Jet tried contacting his mother. Xander and Blue debated taking a large box of gold before heading back to the Starweavers. You informed them of everything that happened and they sent you on your way. You played cards in the dorms, had some falafel for Matthias and shooed away some college frat boys. Going to bed, you headed to the palace, got 3,000 gold, paid 1,000 of that for a ring from Erki, and headed to Akeens to be sent to Yucatal. You got into the machine, and as the cold portal started forming around you, Veroso grabbed Akeen close, stabbed him in the abdomen with a magically formed blade, and threw his body over the gem. Akeen's blood dripped down into the machine, and the portal around you turned a crimson red. Now, feeling the weightlessness of the portal, your senses are assaulted by the changes around you. The crimson red color starts to fade. You start to hear the sound of wind blowing through trees, though it sounds eerie, like whispers. Your feet plant on the ground as the dirt beneath you gives just a bit more than it should. You find yourselves in an unnatural forest. The sparse grass beneath your feet is a sharp yellow brown. Around you, there are large plants and trees. The stems and leaves of these plants have colors unseen to you previously. They bear the color of rotten, decomposing flesh. The trunks of the trees are covered in patches of lichen and moss that have grown to resemble festering wounds. Their branches creak and move in the wind. A small stream passes through this area. The water looks to be dirty, like it is filled with particles of rust, the scent of which fills the air. 
creatures seem to move through the water like fish, though seeing them is difficult in the cloudiness of this water. This shock to your system has all of your hearts pumping harder, adrenaline in your veins, and you feel the power you have gained through your adventures manifest itself inside. You are all now level 12. Oh. Hey. And so the scene is set. The question is, what will you do next? What the fuck just happened? Y'all saw that through the portal, right? Before we left? Yeah. Uh-huh. Was that real? I mean, look where we are. Verosa must have been with the magistrate? Shit. Damn it. He was trying to keep the magistrate away. That's why he was so mad at us. Uh, maybe that was a cover? He did tell us not to trust him. He warned us from the beginning. What the hell do we do now? Where are we? We don't know what we can do until we figure out where the fuck we are. I, 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 I can... I can commune. Anything. I, I can sit down and try to try to figure out what, what what's around us. Do it. Let's. We'll take a look around while you do that. I don't know if we want to go far. Okay. Uh, um. I'm gonna spend eleven minutes ritually casting commune with nature. While she does that, I just want to like do a small circle around us, like not far at all, just to see if there's anything. I'm staying within eyesight of everybody. Jet, you take a quick look around. There is a small ridge to your west that's overlooking the area you're currently standing, so you're kind of looking up at a ridge with this rocky, muddy ground. To your east is this small stream. It flows slowly to the south. The majority of the area here is just that, this little ridge that encapsulates this small area, as well as the stream running from the north to the south. And then there are a bunch of these gross, weird trees. Can I have Nomura fly up and just kind of do like an aerial view? Looking from Nomura, you see pretty far into the distance in multiple areas, though it is almost like there's a haziness to this whole place. You see after they fly upward to the north is some sort of more mountainous region, very similar trees to the ones that are around you. To the south further, you see that the elevation drops down and the trees start to change. These ones look more dead and they have large singular red leaves instead of these small bunches of leaves. Past that even further, Nomura sees a clearing that looks like there are no trees, but it's hard to see anything past that. Jet, is there anything you're specifically looking for? That's basically it. If I notice any sort of like recent fresh footprints or anything near me or any walking paths. But other than that, yeah, that's all I was really looking for is just any signs of anything around us. Give me a perception check. Oh, no way. I just got a natural 20. Let's go, boy. <gasps> all right. You are looking around pretty worried specifically about movement. One of the things you see is these fish that are in this stream. They are large for how small this stream really is. It's hard to tell because of how cloudy and rusty. It is dark brown and a little bit of this red tinge to it. And you see that there are these bugs nearby. They look like centipedes just next to the water. But this centipede happens to have a scorpion tail. And as you're looking, you see a fish jump out of the water and eat it in one bite. Piranha teeth, and yet it's got these 
insectoid pincers that come out from its mouth. That was metal. I gotta tell everybody about this. Yo, guys! Hold on, I'm focusing. What's up? You need to see this. I'm just gonna, like, pull him over towards the creek. You see this shit right here? Watch this, watch this. You see that, that little scorpion guy right there? Uh-huh. Give it a sec. Wait for it. I mean, it's gross. Uh, just just <laughs> wait. Just wait. Blueberry, tell me what you're specifically looking for with the commune with nature. I would like to know within three miles the location of any nearby towns and if there's any influence from other planes of existence nearby other than the fact that we are from Earth. And... Can I just ask if there are any powerful celestials, fey fiends, elementals, or undead? You sense one city. Large disruption to nature structures. To your south, you actually feel like this stream is a probably a good place to start because it would go downward. As for other villages and cities, you recognize one three miles to your east, but there's a heavy nature presence there now. You feel like it may have been abandoned or destroyed in some way. Overgrown or something, yeah. Do I get to know what plane it is? You get to know that the essence of this plane is evil. Oh, mm, great. As for powerful, Celestial Fae Fiend Undead, none. And just at that moment, Xander, you do see a tentacle whip out and grab that little centipede scorpion-like thing. Whoa. Whoa. See? I told you. All right, no one go near the river. Got it. But it is going down. I don't know if maybe following water is a good idea right now. I just figured out some stuff. I think the river is not the only evil thing here. <laughs> like, like what? Like, this whole plane is evil. <laughs> oh. Excuse sick. I don't know what that means. And I have sensed no powerful celestial fey fiend or undead within three miles. I don't know if I should be offended by that. <laughs> As you are trying to figure out what this place is around you, you hear from the ridge to your west a ruffling between the plants, and from above the ridge, a beast jumps down. A raccoon. It's got that black ringed tail and masked face, but its body is scaly. It has tufts of fur that push from beneath the cracks of the scales. Its abdomen long and segmented like a centipede. There's these thick, furry legs. They used to be used for movement, but they just dangle about now. As the beast holds itself up by three pairs of long arachnoid legs coming from its various segments. Its mouth bears mostly normal teeth, save for two thick black fangs that hang from its top jaw. The beast looks to be bloody, whole chunks of scales ripped off of its body. One of that old raccoon leg it no longer uses completely ripped off, blood dripping from the open wound, exposing raw bone beneath. The beast staggers as it lands and quickly darts its crazed eyes 
towards each of you before reeling back and jumping at Blueberry. Roll initiative. Oh, oh. what? Oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, okay. We're just minding our own business. I got a five. 20. 12? Nine. With that, we start with Blueberry. I am going to thrust my fingers into the ground. I'm already sitting on the ground, so just grab a bunch of dirt and cast Grasping Vine. Conjure a vine that sprouts from the ground in an unoccupied space that I can see within range, 30 feet. At the base of the ledge, 25 feet south of the raccoon thing, um, it's going to sprout up of the ground, and I am going to point at the raccoon thing. The vine's going to lash out at it, and it has to make a dexterity saving throw or be pulled 20 feet towards the vine. That is only a 10. Get yoink. Um, I'll wild shape. Why not? I will wild shape into an elephant. Yo! Yeah. <laughs> a white elephant. Huge beast. Holy crap. And I now have the mobile feet. So my speed is 50. Oh my. Whoa. With the elephant. I'm just going to go down here to the south. Near the river, but closer to the raccoon, technically. And that is Jet's turn. I will just run southwest down right next to this as it's tangled up in the vines. I guess we'll just take the sword and try to cut off one of the limbs on it. 29 to hit? That's going to hit. 12 damage altogether. You are able to literally just cut through, and it staggers. So the next attack, as it's like down on the ground more, I'll try to just take the sword and try to stab it through its head. 18 to hit. Hits. 16 plus five radiant. You stab through this thing, pull that sword out as it falls to the ground. And from that same ridge, you hear some more movement as a man jumps down. He is dressed in a long black hooded cloak that covers much of his body. His face covered by a thick blood-soaked mask. He wears long brown trousers that sit high atop his waist. He's got these long black leather boots that are laced just below his knees. His belt holds some small pouches and vials and a scroll. And he has this thigh bag that sits high around his right hamstring. His hands are empty as he jumps down, though you see two long thin blades of bone coming from his forearms, the tips of which are just soaked in blood. He looks to have wrapped bandages and rope around his forearms to secure them. And you can hear this clicking noise that he's making as his eyes dart towards you and the beast you had just slain. And as you see the eyes, the whites of his eyes have this blue hue to him, and they look angry. You would not break a tenet of Nyla, would you? Is that you? One must feed on their own beasts, lest they kill the follower it belongs to. This is my beast. Do you intend to kill me for it? As I pull that sword out, I'll turn their way and just swipe off some of the blood and back away. You can see he slowly starts moving 
towards the beast, but eyeing all of you. He sends an extra moment looking at Blueberry, a little bit of shudder of fear, and he takes those bones and clicks them together as he moves closer to the body, shooing you away to make sure you're further and further from the body. I'll back up all the way to where Blueberry is. The man moves closer to the beast you had just slain. He takes long steps. He's moving slowly. He's a little bit crouched and hunched over, almost in like a beastly manner. He holds these rapier-like swords of bone in front of him, and he moves closer cautiously. And as he approaches the beast that you had slain, he stabs the carcass with the bone sword, piercing it deeply. He pulls his mask down from his face, revealing an insectoid-like mouth. These sharp lips pull apart in four places, revealing a mouth the shape of a plus sign. These sharp teeth go in different directions as his mouth expands around this open wound he has just created, and you can hear the slurping of blood. The image is violent and primal. He grabs the beast and raises it above his head as he's squeezing it with his hand as more blood drips from the wounds. This scene lasts an uncomfortable amount of time. As he is feeding, you see something brush the long cloak on his back as it moves, and you see a large insectoid leg pulls itself out of his back. You can hear the ripping of his flesh and can see chunks of his skin that gets pushed away to form this leg. About half of what you would expect appears out of him on the left side. He brings the carcass back down from above him. He looks back to this side where this new leg is, seeing this new extremity, and with a serpentine tongue, licks some of the blood off of his chin. He puts the mask back over his mouth, thrusts the beast's body, piercing it onto his new extremity as to carry it. He stands a bit taller now. His eyes look a little bit whiter. And he looks at you, specifically you, Jet. You are not followers of Nyla, but you wouldn't have made it here if you were deniers from Kokar. Why are you here? Where did you come from? Great question. Uh, yeah, good question. Uh, we have never heard of Nyla, Kokara, Kokira, Coca-Cola. Oh, Coke. I kind of like Pepsi, but it's fine. We kind of don't know where we are. We got sent here against our will. We're supposed to be somewhere else right now. I'll say. The Abattoir Grove craves fresh blood. What kind of planet is this? this. What kind of world are we on right now? If you were in search of Kaerith, Kaerith is no more. That's another one I, I don't seem to be familiar with. It's not my place to teach you. Nyla will teach you the ways of consumption. We don't want to do whatever, whatever you just did. That's for sure. If you are not here to feast, you are in the wrong place. Okay, can we get to the right place, please? Leave the grove if you do not belong. Where? How? Where? Just, we're, we would love to leave. Just point us, please. Up the stream. A cave. You will find a way out there. We were going to go the wrong way, guys. Xander, you know that this is where the uh, mountain range was. Okay, uh, thank you. Do not steal 
another's beast. Maybe get better. Sebastian. Sebastian. He's, he's just a little bit of a prankster. Don't, don't mind him. Um, we're not looking to take any beasts here. We're, all that we're trying to do is get back home. So if home is towards the mountains, then maybe we'll go that way up upstream. Uh, is there anything downstream that maybe we could check out while we're here? You do not associate with the deniers. Kokar won't have you. Just start stepping to the north and like nudging the guys in that direction. Mm -hmm. They're just dragging you by the back of your shirt. I look over to Xander as we're just being nudged along by an elephant trunk. My dude was like straight out of the island of lost dreams. You ever see Spy Kids? This, I think we're in Spy Kids. This whole fucking place. Yeah. Just mutant animals everywhere. Okay, you know what? I have zero theories. For once in my life, I have zero theories about what this is. <laughs> so that is the strongest argument right now, right? That's all. Yeah, I'm, I'm into it. Nice. Do you know I was an extra in that movie? What? Where? First one or the second one? The second one. That's with the Island of Lost Dreams. Were you one of, like, the, the little kids at the mutant zoo? Yeah. They had me in, in, like, a bunch of makeup. I didn't even look like me. That makes so much sense. So are we going upstream, or what are we doing here? Well, right now we're going upstream, yeah. We can go north to these caves that he mentioned, or we can go east and investigate. This. There is a an old town that sounds like it's been taken over by nature, maybe. We could investigate there. Or south to city. If it's an abandoned town that's taken by nature, it's probably filled with all those mutant monsters. I don't think that's safe. I would like to stay away from that. I, here's the thing I thought of before. You know how I can, and I flip through the lyric journal, I can contact home. Can I contact Vendrea? Would that be helpful? What would you ask? About Veroso? About Akeen? I don't know. I can usually ask like four or five things. Yeah. I don't have a lot, but it can get us answers and maybe a potential lead somewhere. But we should wait for this. And as I flip through the lyric journal, also Garrett's here. Forgot to mention that. Not here. Definitely not here. Back on Fendrea. He got ported with us. We'll talk later. How did we get separated when we got here? Garrett. You actors, man. Garrett was special effects. He made you look good. Uh-huh. Is he, like, behind the computer? Yeah. There it is. <laughs> like, a lot of the time. <laughs> there it is. You think back to how could he not have shown up where you guys showed up. And you remember. You were all in relatively close proximity to Kingsley when he said the spell. And you think, oh, I didn't see Garrett there, but you know where he was. He was underneath the stage, underneath the rocks that they were standing on. You know, he did the practical effects as well as the special effects. He was literally underneath Jet and Blueberry's feet. Oh my God. Oh my God. What? Garrett might have been buried alive when he, we got here. What? That is my worst fear. What? He was under the stage when we came here. He was like, like he was underneath you guys while you were performing the scene because he was controlling the lights. Didn't parts of that get transported with us though? Everything above the stage, but he was underneath. Do you think he got sent to the Underdark? No. Either that or he's just like a foot under the ground and people found him like 
after we left? God, I hope so. Jesus Christ, that's terrifying. How deep under the stage was he? Like a couple feet. Could he have dug himself out? I don't think that's far enough for the Underdark. True, we walked a heckin' mile down into that place. How could he have been brought with us? He might have been making Kingsley, like, highlighted. I mean, he was the one doing the spell during the scene. You gotta have the flashing lights under him and highlight him to make that scene look good. He was probably closer to Kingsley than you guys. Honestly. All right, well, step one, we get out of here. And now, new step two, we see if we can make sure he's okay. We'll just table that until we get back. I don't I don't see a point in worrying about it right now when we're not even on Vendrea. Yeah. Yeah. I just wanted to bring it up because I forgot. Sorry to throw that at everybody. Oh, yeah, that's fine. Now we know we got to keep our eyes out for somebody else. Do we want to keep walking north to this cave to leave the grove? Do you think that's the best idea? Or do we go south to find out who the deniers from Kokar are? Then we would be denying Nyla, who is into consumption. I feel like you won't let us do that. So maybe Kokar. I don't know if I want to be friends with people who grow spider legs and drink raccoon mutant blood. That wasn't what I was asking. That wasn't an option I gave. Go to the deniers from Kokar to the south, or go north to the caves to just try to leave. Correct. Even though we don't know what is that way. I, I was just circling circling back to the, if we go to the Kokar, we're against the Nyla people, which is okay. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Great. Glad that we spent all that time to agree with each other. Uh. If we are going north, there are mountains up there. We are about a mile out, which I assume is where the cave is. We're here. We might as well just, like, take a quick detour up there. Ten minutes, you know? Ten minutes? Doesn't take that long to walk a mile. Do you want to ride on the elephant? Yes. I, like, kneel down the fr- my front legs. That's not healthy for elephants. Their backs aren't built for carrying things. I'm only an elephant for six hours tops. Yeah, but you don't want to hurt your back, Blue. I'll go back to normal back. Your normal back will hurt. No, it won't. When I get hurt and I turn back, I'm not hurt. That's some whack magic. That's crazy. As Blue uh, kneels forward, I'll just go and sit on her trunk. I lift him up and throw him onto my back. I have a strength of 22 and I'm huge. I'm guessing I can carry all three of you. Whoa. Heck yeah. North. To the cave. Warily. We are on alert. We don't want to get ambushed by Spider-Man. Mm. Spider-Man. Uh, a man spider. Sorry. And as you walk upstream, you can hear the trickling sound of water. The stream meanders slightly here and there. You come across some small waterfalls as the water cascades down some rocky hills. And with that, you wanted to move perceptively. Nat 20! If I go full speed, can I just have my my passive perception? <laughs> 20 plus 9, 29. Wow. Oh my god. Jet, you don't really have to roll if you don't want to at this point. Uh, I did. I got a 7. Sebastian is just assuming that Blueberry is now like a big land ship. So he's very hype and he's got his crossbow out and just peeking around oh like he's god. on the crow's nest. You pull out the hat. 
Yes! We'll pop the hat on, crossbow in hand. <laughs> who's who's on front? What order are you? I would have gotten on second, so middle. I guess I'm I'm in the back. And blue put me right on the front. Much further upstream, after quite a while, it leads to a small cave. The air around the cave is cool and damp, and the sound of water echoes softly off the walls. All of you see that the cave is dark. There is this stream that flows out from the cave's mouth. So you can see that the stream where you are is actually coming from this cave, splashing over some rocks and fallen branches on the way down this rocky slope you've maneuvered up. The rocks around the entrance seem to be slick with moisture. You can really smell the scent of decay, as well as the smell of rust coming from the water. Sebastian, you hear not only the sound of this stream trickling, you hear behind you some rocks, and this rock bed moved a little bit. Uh, not to alarm everybody. I think that spooky guy might be following us, or we're about to be ambushed by another mutant animal. Not Spider-Man! So, I don't know if we want to keep going. Maybe one of us should, like, hide our tracks somehow? I can't cast spell as elephant. Can I turn around and just be watching where we're coming from? Finger pistols out. You do not see anyone or anything moving other than the water and the occasional fin of a fish that comes up. I could sprint real fast. Yeah, we might want to just hang on and pick it up a notch. I don't know what's out there. And at this point, I don't want to know. Should we just charge them? Well, we don't know what it is yet. I say we go in. What other choice do we have right now, really? If we want to go in, I might be able to protect us, but probably for only like 10 minutes. But what? That, uh, the barrier that Valentine used. I've been practicing it. I kind of did it with the Trask, but I definitely didn't do it right. I think if I give it another shot, I can at least block a cave opening so nothing can get in or out. Just while we figure out what to do and see if something comes. If so, they can't get in. Okay. Why not? As we go into the cave, I'm going to think back to my fight with Valentine and go back to playing Miserable at Best, but a acoustic version. And as I do so, a wall of force will pop up and cover the entrance to the cave with an invisible wall. It is completely impenetrable, nothing can physically pass through the wall, and immune to wall damage, can't be dispelled, only a disintegrate will kill the wall. Can you leave Nomura back here and see if he'll watch to see if anything tries to get through the wall? Sure. Then we at least know what it is. As long as he's behind the wall. Yeah, yeah, he's already back here, so. Sebastian puts up this wall of force. Nomura sits down watching the wall. You see that in this cave, there are jagged rocks protruding from the damp walls and ceiling. You hear very little other than the sound of the stream moving through the cave. The smell is overwhelming now. A noxious blend of rot and decay that just permeates every inch of this cave. The cave is pretty straightforward. It's a bit slick here with a thick layer of wet, probably from the stream. Continuing forward, you start to hear more than just the stream. A low, guttural, growling sound echoes off the walls. 
the growling is only interrupted by the gnashing of teeth against both. Those of you who can see in the darkness see ahead of you is a much larger opening area to this cave. Um, from where you are, it seems to kind of curve to the right where you can tell this gnawing sound is coming from. Just ahead, you see a pile of bones picked clean with nothing more than sinew still attached. You can see the pile of bones sitting just underneath where the water is entering this cave. It seems to be flowing from down from the wall and ceiling behind it. You can see the water coming in is dirty, yes, but after moving through this large pile of bones, it is a bit more rusty, has this reddish tint. Xander, you see the man through Nomura's eyes walks into the wall of force. Guys, he's at the wall. Okay, but he's at the wall, but something else is definitely in this freaking cave, and I don't know which one's worse. I feel like we could take him. Maybe he just wants to see what we're doing. Who, who said that he's being bad right now? He was stalking us. He told us to leave and we're leaving. Unless he was sending us to a trap. He could just be making sure that we're not trying to take his, his meals. He didn't attack us. He could have just gone at us before. Yeah, but then it was four against one. If he led us to a trap, now it's four against four, maybe. Or maybe he's just after this beast in here. I think we should just be geared up to fight whatever we're about to walk into and watch out for our backs. Elephant gets angry eyebrows. You gotta hold that wall up. How are we gonna be able to fight anything if we can't see anything in here? Can't you, like, turn the flashlight on your camera or something? Yeah, I can, but do you, don't you want the element of surprise? The elephant of surprise. Got him! <laughs> I don't think I'll be particularly stealthy like this. You know, you make a good point. Should I turn back? Stay strong, stay strong. We, sh Sebastian and me should hop off and bring up the rear. How are we going to fight without him? Are you saying Blueberry and Jet go ahead and we take care of this guy? No, we. you can hear the thing in front of us. We should focus on that because you've got the wall up behind us. For like 10 minutes? Do you think it's going to take us 10 minutes to fight these things? If I stop playing this goddamn song, it's going to go down. Oh, are you playing a song this entire time? If we, we go in here... We are... I gotta keep doing this. Okay, I, let's just charge in then. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Don't charge in yet. <laughs> Maybe we charge out. Okay, hear me out. He doesn't... He's not gonna think that I am the one strumming away making this wall. So he's gonna think, oh, look at this dumb fucking elephant about to charge into this invisible wall. And then I drop <laughs> it the second I, then we get to it. And then he just gets, okay, rammed. And then we can figure out what he wants. Elephanted. Elephanted. I'm not a ram. Yes. Okay, uh, that's fair. That And that's probably gonna be an easier fight than just one, than like several, probably animals or something in here. Snarly bees. Okay, elephant turns around. Xander, as you go to check in with Nomura, you see that this being has left the start of the cave, and from where Nomura can see, looked like he was trying to climb up the rocks. He might be trying to get in from a different entrance that we don't know about, because he's not there anymore. Oh, and then I can't trample him. Blueberry, turn back around. <laughs> okay, well, wait. So he, where did he go then? He went up. I look up. So he's trying to find like a different way in? A chimney. That's what I'm thinking. 
Yeah. So do we want to go in then? Because if we go in, say we take out whatever's snarling in here so we have a home base, who's to say he's not going to pop down and surprise? If he's left the entrance, let's just sneak back out. I'll turn back into an elf. I'll cast Pass Without a Trace and we sneak out the entrance now that he's left it. Oh, and he just thinks we got eaten by this thing. Yeah, he just he's just going to be looking for us inside. Okay. There is probably lots of bones. Did you hear bones snapping? I kind of heard a little bone snapping in there. Everyone off. And I'm going to use the staff to cast Pass Without a Trace. Sneak up to the entrance. Roll stealth. <laughs> 17 before pass, so 27. 7 before pass, so 17. Same. 28. Hopefully it's an average. Xander's able to look through Nomura's eyes. It doesn't look like there's anything here as you guys walk back to the front. And there's a wall of force in front of you. Oh, thank God my fingers were getting tired. Okay, yeah, stop playing. Here we go. We go outside, and we sneak, but we look up the mountain face to see if we see anybody. You guys walk out of the cave, and as you look up, Sebastian, what's your own class? Oh, you bitch. 15. That's a 27 to hit. You can see he was standing above the cave entrance waiting for you guys to come back out. Oh, my God. Comes down and stabs at you. You're going to take nine piercing damage plus... 15 more piercing damage from sneak attack. Oh. And I need a constitution saving throw, please. Uh-oh. He's going to turn into a bug. Ah, that's a seven. I'm going to use a lucky point. You get plus three from me. Seven plus two plus three, 12. 12 does not do it. You are going to be taking 17 poison damage. Woo! Woo. <sighs> that is the surprise round. Roll initiative. Ah, you stupid motherfucker. Guys, he's up. Okay, uh. maybe I was wrong. So stupid. 13. 13. Holy I got a five. 11. 23. 23 minus 20. Did you roll a nat one? Yes. boy. Sebastian. Thank God. I still have Daisy out from stopping to play miserable at best to get rid of the wall so we can actually walk out. And I turn around and instinctively go to one of my comfort songs, which is Alien Ant Farm's rendition of Smooth Criminal, (laughs) just because he's an alien (laughs) ant. (laughs) (laughs) And this is fourth level Ralithim Psychic Lance, baby! Kill him. I need an intelligence saving throw. I got a natural 20. God damn it. All right, he is not incapacitated and he's taking 11 psychic damage, half from 22. That is his turn. He pulls that sword out and keeps just stabbing at you. So he makes sword attack. Ooh, that's going to hit. That's a 25. Silvery barbs to make him re-roll. Ha! Got him. I I just blow a bunch of spurs. That's a 14 to hit, Sebastian. That misses. That misses. Okay, first attack is a miss. And I give the advantage to Sebastian. You can see he stabbed with his right hand. You were able to dodge out of the way. He stabs with the left hand. 22 to hit. Mm-hmm. Nine piercing damage and another constitution saving throw, please. Which you have advantage on. 18. That passes. You will take half of that damage. You will take 11 poison damage. Ow, I am not doing good. Blueberry, you are up. Xander, you're on deck. Uh, 
we tried to do what you said, and then you still come over here to hurt us? Why? If you did what I said, you'd be dead. Why would you tell us to do something to kill us? And he licks the teeth as he pulls his mask down. Ugh, you dick! I'm gonna cast Polymorph on him. Ooh. Throw him in the fuck it bucket! Because who cares in this goddamn plane where he goes? Turn him into a little turtle. What kind of saving throws that? Wisdom 19. 18 plus zero! Yeah. Throw him in! Let's throw go. him in! Can we get our first bucket bucket? <laughs> He's turtle! Put him in the fucking bucket! I'm grabbing him and dropping him in the fuck it bucket. We're out of combat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, not our problem. Jesus. Good job. Ow, that fucking hurt! Take some vibes while he's looking. Please, I'm gonna do a healing word on myself, too. Or cure wounds, my apologies. I'm gonna give you three of my healing lights. Eleven health. Third level cure wounds on myself. Ish for twelve. Okay, we're all we're now just walking south. Yeah. As we talk. You're able to continue on. Following the stream, you see it starts to pick up speed. Again, there's some elevation change. You start to make your way downward. You hear ahead seems like a louder and longer waterfall. And coming to the edge, you can see the waterfall is about 40 feet downward and continues as a large stream. As you are on this cliff, you have a view far into the distance. Past the trees of the forest around you, you see a thicker grouping of trees in the valley below. These ones mostly dead. This is very similar. This is what you saw earlier through Namora's eyes, Xander. They have a few red leaves adorning their branches. The leaves that still cling are massive compared to the ones around them. Above this area, you see a large creature flapping bat-like wings, though it looks to have a long body and four mammalian legs coming out the bottom. It flies and circles this set of red trees before it dives beneath the tree line. In this line of trees, you can also see the top of a large tower made of a dark material of some sort. It has a pointed roof and looks to be covered in vines and tree branches crawling up its walls. Just past these more dead red trees in your view, you see a dark and barren wasteland. Gray wasted grounds with no vegetation or structures. And it sprawls until you see a massive city in the distance. Buildings are tall, dozens of floors in some cases, beautifully crafted architecture with tall spires, and even from here you can tell there are intricate details. And this city has a massive stone wall around it. Guess that's the place. Yep. Time to meet the deniers. What's our approach here? Are we just walking in and seeing who we meet, or this is a plane the essence of which is evil, so don't have high hopes. I don't think we will know until we get in there and just see if we can find someone that can get us out of here. Maybe we'll get lucky and magic isn't like super taboo here. Back in Fendrea, there's very little magic because of the magistrate. Mm -hmm. Here, maybe it's a lot more common. Would you like me to make us all invisible so we can kind of scour the city and see what they're all about before actually presenting ourselves? You can make us all invisible? All of us? Yes. 
Why didn't we do that on the way out of the game? We could have done this forever ago, man. We knew he could do this. Not all of us. I thought just a couple of us. Yeah. Um. It was only like two of us or something, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. I haven't tried it in a while, but... Oh my god! You know, I might even be able to do another. What? <laughs> hey, I mean, you know, that that's just good information to have. I, I'm, we, we've all gotten stronger. Yeah. What show was brought up before, but... Why are you mad? I'm the one who got stabbed a bunch! Yeah, well, you feeling good now? Now? Kinda. Well, where's your complaint? He got stabbed because of that guy, and he got stabbed because of you, and because of... You know, I was gonna let that one go. Now I'm gonna be petty as fuck about it. Should we hit the call button on the phone? Or is that... Do we need to be in a specific place? I think we have to find the ley line. That's what he said. But what is a ley line, Jet? A ley line? I don't see any cables laid around here. Uh, Is that like phone sex? Maybe I take another 10 minutes and commune with nature again and see if I can figure out where a ley line is. It doesn't cost me anything. It's just 11 minutes to ritually cast it. Could catch a breather, maybe come up with a little bit more of a plan. Might as well. Let's sit down. You guys keep watch. Make sure nothing else crazy is ambushing us. I'm going to commune with nature again. I want knowledge about any ley lines within three miles. You feel, especially now that you have moved further south, the city you felt was very much on the outskirts of your reach last time. It was very much on that three-mile mark. Now that you are a bit closer, you feel that there is a ley line pretty much at Kokar. (gasps) I want to know what kind of creatures mostly inhabit Kokar. Humanoids. Nothing more specific than that. They're not like mostly humans or mostly like bug humans or mostly like devil humans. Mostly humans. What's another thing I should figure out? Oh, can I figure out if that guy is within three miles of us? Oh, oh, that means I have to actually decide where he went now. (laughs) (laughs) No. Okay. Xander, can you imagine? All right, he's a turtle right now. Okay. Mm-hmm. What if he then kills something like one of those centipedes and then he comes back and he's like a turtle centipede scorpion raccoon? Let's just hope he gets eaten by a fish before that happens. Perfect. <laughs> he would then turn it back into himself and explode the fish. The fish would just have a really good meal. They were big fish. Wait, is it a person sized fish? It was a person sized fish? Yeah, it was a person sized fish. You guys left that out. Yeah, I told you to stay away from the river. Oh my god. Didn't look that deep. I thought the stream was like two feet deep. How does a person fit in there? Like backing <laughs> away. Don't look that closely. They're pe- they're people sized. You could lay face down in it. You, you wouldn't be able to be seen. It's, it's deep not enough. Long, you know? long yeah. humans, <laughs> human sized fish. <laughs> well, you can't stand in it, but you could like lay down. So yeah, I mean, you know. Oh my god. Okay, to Kakar we go. Do we want to check out the tower? Or- well, we gotta if we're going by. Sure, why not? Field trip. You see, you are starting to flatten out a bit. Less of these elevation changes and the trees are a bit sparser. Ahead, as the stream gets wider and picks up a little bit more speed, you see a structure partially covered by the trees around it. 
It sits right on the bank of the stream, and you see a water wheel gently turning. It's connected to some creaky and rusty gears. The building itself is mostly wooden. The windows are small and rectangular. The ones that are still here are dirty, but most of them are broken and cracked glass. Inside, you can see at least one dimly lit lamp flickering away. It looks to be broken down and old, though you can see some bloody handprints have been placed all along the outside of this building. Bloody handprints? That's a good sign. Let's go in. I can't tell if you're joking anymore, Blue. Maybe there might be someone in there that we can be like, hey, what's going on with Kukar? Yeah, it was someone else who, like, got ambushed by that guy, and maybe he's just finding shelter, and he was, like, helping himself up along the wall, and that's why it's bloody. Someone investigate the door. Uh, okay, I'll do it. I need a dexterity saving throw. But I was investigating. Didn't investigate the trees around you were walking through. Fuck! Oh, <laughs> wonderful. 17. As you are walking, you trip a tripwire, and you're able to dodge out of the way. Above, from the trees, a large net drops. The net looks like it's made of extracted blood vessels and sinew. What the Excellent. fuck? Excellent. Awesome. Great. Guys, I'm starting to think this place is kind of fucked up. Little bit, Blue. Yeah. Little bit. Um, so watch the ground. Okay. Roll me investigation. Meanwhile, I'm like looking to see if anyone's watching us from anywhere. You can also roll perception. 19. You can actually see other nets surrounding this area. You continue on getting closer to the doorway. As you round this corner, you see that there is no door here. It has been like broken off and the hinges removed. The ground of this building has blood stained pretty much everywhere. The blood seems to have run from deeper in the building and it gets close to the door before you see it stops. Like it didn't quite get to this next board. And the closer you look at it, you see that these two boards that make up the floor in the entryway, they look to be trapped. I got a natural 20 for a 29 on perception. You do not hear more than the stream, the creaking of the water wheel. Okay, those first two boards are trapped, so I'm going to trigger it with my hand, and then the mage hand appears opposite of my other hand, and I'll just push down on it. They immediately fall through, and you see this is a pit trap. Beneath, there are these very sharp sticks and rocks that are facing upwards. Okay, all right, everyone avoid that. Can I see anything inside, like poking my head in? You can pretty much see at least the main room of this building. You quickly see that this used to be a mill of some sort. The old millstone, you see, has been turned into a large stone altar that is just stained with blood. It's been hollowed out like a bowl in the center. Symbols have been etched onto the side, some of them carved. There's these flickering lanterns. They cast these eerie shadows across the entirety of this old mill. You see some rusted chains hanging from the ceiling, in which are leftover carcasses of these hybrid beasts you have been exposed to. Bones and muscle fibers still attached to most. The bodies, unlike things you've seen before, mixes of reptiles, mammalian features, fish, insects. These horrors are all dead and hooked up to tubing. You can see the movement of the water wheel. 
has been set up to pump the last bits of blood out of the carcasses and into the bowl on the stone altar. Atop the altar is a large fang of some massive beast. One thing you do notice is one of the beings who has been hung up and hooked up to the tubes looks to be a completely normal human man. Hate this. I want to take the beast tooth. You walk over and you see that this beast tooth, it's a large fang, easily six, seven, eight inches long. I don't know what this could be used for, but it might be useful. Who knows? Are there other doorways in here or is it just like this room? There is an upper floor area. I'm going to uh, nature guide you, cast guidance on you. Thanks. I'm going to stay outside. The upper floor looks to be a living quarters of some sort. The walls have these crude paintings and drawings of someone. This being looks to be depicted as a goddess. She is extremely beautiful, but other times she is portrayed as a grotesque monstrosity with hybrid animal forms. In her more human form, her skin is a sickly pale color, almost translucent. Her eyes are like these deep crimson orbs. Her hair looks to be made up of thin, coiling strands of blood. Her limbs are elongated and spindly, ending in these razor-sharp claws. And despite this appearance, she has a strange allure to her, even through these images. I'd like to take a picture of those, please. I got a 16. It is pretty in the most eerie way. And in her hair, you see, not hidden this time, reject her. And it is signed, Omis. Well, that's new. Is there anything else in this in this room? Give me investigation. You have guidance. 1d4. I'm going to use it. 17. There is a small desk. Looks to be broken, but there's a drawer still attached, and you open it, and you find a small scrap of paper. And it looks to be a relatively crudely drawn map. And even just looking at it, you can see where you've come from, the cave, the waterfall, a little symbol that looks like a tent. That seems like where you are now. Oh, interesting. Does it look like the town-looking thing? That's the city? Yes. As you are walking back down, you look at the man, and you can see that he was killed by stab wounds to his abdomen, very much like the rapier of the man. There are these bite marks from the four insectoid lips. Okay, well, then I will leave, find everyone else outside. Good news, everyone. No one should go in there. No taken. I So, uh, ha, ha. this, I think, is Stabby Man's house, or someone else has those same bone hands and um, likes to sip from the wounds. Maybe everybody here has bone hands. Could be. I hope not. But I did find a map. Oh, thank God. Map? Treasure? No, but a map of, like, the area, so we know what to, like, look for. That cave has a skull and crossbones, so he probably tried to kill us there with whatever was in there. But we can see that there is a 
pot and a cemetery and then the the city. A pot? It looks it's a pot and I show the map. There's a it's like a little like cauldron. Is that where he cooks his kills? No, I think his kills are in there. Oh. It looks like there's some other things on there that we can't fully see right now. There was no other parts of a map up there? That's it. Also, I don't know if I should be worried about this, but I took a picture of some images of, uh, I'm assuming Nyla up there. Here's the picture, and I show everyone all of the beautiful pictures. Oh. oh. She, yeah, she's gorgeous, right? Anyway, Omis left a message in there that's, uh, in the picture that says, reject her. Oh. Oh, so she like a god is. Seems like it. And not friends with Omis. I guess not. And that was daddy god, right? Yeah, that's uh, Lightmore and Namora's dad. So let's head to the, I mean, let's head to the tower. It seems like maybe it's chill. Maybe we'll get soup. There's no skull and crossbones. And maybe we can go up in the tower and get a lay of the land. You head further southward. And as you are leaving this area, Xander's keeping really good eye out for extra traps on this other side of the stream. And Xander, you notice that one of these traps has been tripped further down this area that you could not see previously, and there looks to be some sort of messenger bag inside it. Oh, snatchy. What's in the messenger bag? A few things. Some empty vials. Don't have anything in them. Does not look like they've ever had anything in them. Brand new. A small note. Almost looks like it was scurriedly written and folded over. And as you open that note, it says, A last resort only. Head to the blood swamp. At the edge of the water, prick your finger on the thorned lamppost. Erythria may be able to help. And you see that tucked into this note is a bright crimson rose petal. And for today, that's a wrap. Cryptic. So many new things. What the hell? And you know where we can talk about all those vins? Over on Behind the Scenes, our Patreon-only exclusive patreon.com slash castparty, where we talk about all the episodes. And there's a lot to talk about with this one. I'm so excited about this place we are in. Very much did not go the way I expected, so we can talk about that, and we're going to right over there. And there's so many other amazing goodies you can have by joining our Patreon, patreon.com slash castparty. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for joining our Patreon, supporting us, and all the amazing stuff that you guys have done. And we will see you all in two weeks. Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Stay strong. Stay strong. We, sh- Sebastian and me, should hop off. And I was, uh, sorry. I have to rework the sentence I said in my head. We say will f- it. No, I don't want to. <laughs> we'll bring it up the rear. Is what I was gonna say. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we'll bring up the rear. All right, Rundle. It's time to go through applications for the new Starweaver to replace Carvu. All right, give me those. Saint E. Love, 
immediate no. He reminds me too much of Eriki, and it would be weird having two of them around. Eric 5, no as well. He once cracked open a lobster tail too close to me and some of the butter got in my eye. Ebap flow, also a no. I once sneezed when I smelled their scent. Not sure what it was, but now every time I see them, I get a little tickle in my nose. Jesky Fire, of course not. And not just because she didn't like my carrot cake I brought to the last graduation ceremony. Let's see. Ash, no, he won that dance competition that I was shooing for. New York, we couldn't possibly. They told me I need to use shampoo all over my body instead of body wash since I have mostly fur. Absolutely preposterous. These are all petty reasons to reject someone. Who do you think would actually be a good fit? Well, Dubward for one. He never passed his graduation and has proven himself to be quite a terrible mage. But if we give him a chance, I am sure he will step up. Isn't he your nephew? What about Isuik? He looks and acts just like Akeen. The only way I would ever recommend Isuik is if something happened to Master Akeen. And we know that won't happen anytime soon. Not with Veroso keeping us safe. Forerunner? No. Four is by far my least favorite number, and having it in their name? Disgusting. Polyamorous Swirl? Oh no. He once told me a story that was about bass drop, and it wasn't gossip, but like actual friendship things. And you know how little I care for bass drop after the egg incident. Who then? Well, Lexi, of course. We are not having your snake become a star weaver. She is twice as long as... who's next? Opti? She's twice as long as Opti. Believe it or not, being long doesn't make you a good Starweaver. Fine. We have a few left. Let me look. Frankie? I like Frankie. Other than that, she has this weird thing about hugging everyone she meets. I don't like it. Miharu is in the same boat, but they do this thing called a dap to everyone they meet. Disgusting. What about Bobby? Oh, Bobby is perfect. Well... They live in Valorith. We can't exactly afford the relocation package. This is hopeless. Hello and welcome to the end of episode trigger-free recap. Emerging from the Crimson Portal, the cast and crew come upon a world of rust, decay, and blood. Trying to decipher their surroundings, Blueberry communes with nature to get a lay of the land while Xander sends Nomura skyward for a bird's eye view. Finding some points of interest between the two of them, their silence is broken by the sight of a beast, a scaly raccoon with insectoid appendages and a hunter not far behind. A scuffle breaks as the hunter takes the kill for himself, using the beast to grow his own insect appendage. It seems as if hunters take down these mutant beasts in order to gain their own natural advantage taking on a part of the beast they've slain. Scaring the party away, the hunter directs them to a cave up north, only to follow in their footsteps in the shadows. Jumping the party at the cave, we finally have our first use of the Fucket Bucket, as Blueberry polymorphs the baddie into a small turtle and Xander drops him in. Trekking back the way they came and heading south downstream, they come upon a small mill, which seems to be the hunter's home for the time being. But knowing he resides somewhere randomly amongst this entire plane, they feel safe enough to investigate. 
Xander heads in to find that the hunter is a follower of a goddess known as Nyla, and that the deniers live in the city of Kokar to the south. Taking a picture of a portrait of Nyla leads Xander to see the words, reject her, signed by Omis in his picture. Leaving the cabin and heading toward Kokar, the cast and crew stumble upon a tripped net trap with a messenger bag inside. Tucked inside is a note that reads, as a last resort only, head to the blood swamp. At the edge of the water, prick your finger on the thorned lamppost. Eurythra may be able to help with a bright crimson rose petal tucked inside. 